Welcome to Hadar's Web, a podcast featuring community conversations on spirituality, healing, justice, and art. My name is Hadar Cohen. I am your host, and I am delighted to invite you to my relational web. Hello everyone, I wanted to hop on live and share some teachings for the holiday of Passover that is coming up in two days. And it is a Jewish holiday that is all about freedom and liberation. So I wanted to share a little bit about what spiritual liberation is. So first of all, when I'm talking about freedom, we're talking about an inner freedom, right? Because freedom cannot depend on something that is external, on something that is outside of us, because that would be a frame that disempowers our core being. So when I'm saying liberation, or when I'm saying freedom, it is something that is internal. Meaning that, you know, even if you have all the shelter or the food or the access to resources or whatever it is, which God willing, we all have and we should all get them. But even if we have all of our material needs met, we are gonna go home and our mind is gonna begin to do some things and our heart and our bodies. And there's this whole internal world, there's this landscape that we need to tend to. And that is something that is each of our responsibility, right? There's no one from the outside that can come and shift our mind or shift our hearts. That is something that we are responsible for. So even if everything in the external condition is perfect, right? There is still this internal journey that I as an individual need to go through. So this internal world is something that is needing constant tending. It's something that we need to learn how to be with our minds, how to be with our hearts, how to be with our bodies, right? So it doesn't, it's not that the external conditions don't impact, but they are not controlled. Meaning that like, I cannot base my internal world based on the external reality because then I will be very disempowered. The freedom lies when I understand that actually I have responsibility and I have agency over my own system and that what's happening outside of me doesn't necessarily need to control me. And this is why freedom, right, if we're just looking at it from an external view, we are not really fully understanding the depth of it. Right, because someone can be very materially rich, right? They can have all the things in the world, but internally, spiritually, be very poor. And vice versa, actually. Someone can have very intense situations of suffering and really um, intense human conditions in this lifetime. But actually, internally, they could be spiritually rich because they have cultivated their minds and their hearts. So this is where we find the key to our spiritual liberation. When we understand that our external circumstances don't control us, but actually we are gifted with the power, the power from God, that we are able to shift our internal reality. 
So how do we get there? How do we get free? So part of this human condition that we are in is that we will all on some level get hurt. Well, we will all experience pain. And there's going to be different degrees of pain. There's going to be different degrees of suffering. But the fundamental reality that we will experience pain and that we will experience hurt or harm, that is true for all of us. That is part of the human condition. And what happens to us as human beings, right? When, when we get hurt, when someone comes in and hurts me, whether it's through their words or their actions, conscious or unconscious, doesn't really matter, right? There's impact there. And a lot of times, the, my immediate reaction to that is actually going to be to hurt back, right? Because if someone is, you know, hurting me, I want to hurt them back. And, and I might not necessarily be conscious of that, right? It's just this impulse that we have as humans. It's this, almost this natural response, right? That if someone says something mean to me, I want to say something mean back. If someone is, you know, gossiping about me, I want to gossip back. If someone's coming and hurting people I love, I want to hurt, right? There's just kind of this way that we are responding in this reactionary way. And one of the ways that that happens is that because when we are hurt, there's actually impact there right? There's an impact, there's an experience of pain that we oftentimes don't want to feel. So it's a lot easier when I'm experiencing pain to just shove it on another person, right? To just be like, this person harmed me. Actually, I don't want this pain. I'm going to, you know, make them feel that pain because I don't want to feel it. So, so we kind of do this thing where we continuously pass our own pain. And sometimes, right, it's not necessarily to the person who directly hurt us. Sometimes it's to another person because a lot of this is happening on the unconscious realm. It's not necessarily happening on the conscious realm. So someone's hurting me and then I'm hurting someone else and then they're pushing their pain on. And what we have here then is in this web of reaction, this web of just passing pain to one another. And that is what is the cycle, the cycle of suffering, the cycle of violence, you could say, right, is that we're continuously just passing pain from one person to another. And I want to say that, you know, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing to feel shameful about that because that is part of that human condition. There's a wiring there where it's just our knee-jerk reaction, right? It's like we're not even thinking about it, right? A lot of the time we're not even conscious that we're doing these things. It's just things that we are, we're doing. And, and part of it is because we are trying to escape the impact that that harm or that hurt had on us. Because to really allow ourselves to feel that impact, right? Like uh, we might be too scared to feel it. So it's a lot easier to just push it onto other people. But one of the things that ends up happening when we're kind of in this cycle is that there's another thing that happens in the human condition where we each have a fundamental need for human connection and belonging. So when I am passing on this pain to another person, part of what I'm doing, I'm actually self-sabotaging myself because what I'm doing is I'm creating disconnection and separation and I'm sabotaging this need that I have to feel connected to humanity. So I'm experiencing pain, I'm like shoving it into another person, but then what ends up happening is that I go home and I'm sad and I'm lonely because ultimately 
as humans, we're also wired for connection. And if that is severed, I, you know, I'm not going to get my needs met. And, and this is part of the reality that we're living in, right? Is that so many of us human beings, we're walking around with so much pain, with so much stories of pain. We're constantly wanting to be connected to other humans. We want our pain and our stories to be heard. But we're not necessarily understanding how we are unconsciously pushing people away and sabotaging our needs for connection. So what is this way out of that? So, you know, when we're responding in this reactionary way, um, I like to, to frame it as that is coming from the space of revenge, right? Like if someone is hurting me, I want them to feel that hurt back. And again, a lot of this is unconscious. It's not necessarily like I'm thinking clearly about this because pain, right? It takes a hold of us and then, and then we just react. So it comes from this place of like revenge, right? Like I don't want, I, I want these people to feel as bad as I felt or whatever that narrative may be. And, you know, sometimes that need for revenge can get so strong that it actually clouds the pain that was there, that, you know, the pain just wanted to be heard, acknowledged, understood, processed. So, you know, that form of reacting from that space of revenge actually ends up perpetuating this cycle of suffering. So when we're talking about freedom and we're talking about liberation, part of what we're interested in is how do we end this cycle? How do we end this system of just passing on pain from one person to the other and fueling a world of disconnection and a world of separation when really our core human needs are that of connection? So the path out of that, right, and this is where we turn to the teachings of spirituality, the path out of that is that instead of taking this knee-jerk reaction, right, towards revenge, which again is part of this wiring that we have, is first taking a moment and pausing. And that pause moment is really critical because it allows for things to transform, right? So many of us, we're so scared of just that silence or that quiet because when there is that pause, we're actually, what we're doing is that we're inviting things that are alive within us to surface up. That is why so many of us humans, right, we're constantly filling our days with so much distraction, with music, with work, with going to this thing and going to that thing, like anything that I don't have to just have the silence because when there's a silence, then the inner world starts speaking, right? And, and a lot of us are, are really scared of what might come up there. So when we take the space of the pause, we actually are inviting that internal world to come. And what I am doing when I'm taking this sacred pause is that I am allowing for the impact of that pain to be felt. Meaning that instead of just going through my knee-jerk reaction for revenge, I'm actually taking this pause moment and I am allowing for the impact of whatever happened to me to be felt. And this is not such a simple thing, right? Because sometimes when we're talking about pain, you know, it could be like some person just like stepped on me on the grocery store or whatever, and then I get upset, right? So that might take just five minutes of pause. But sometimes we're talking about deep ancestral trauma. We're talking about deep systemic oppression, right? These are not necessarily things that you can just pause for five minutes and then move on. Sometimes it takes five, a pause of five years, maybe even... 50, who knows, maybe even five lifetimes. So 
it's not really about the duration of the time, but it's about the intention, right? Is that when I bring this moment of pause, I am bringing my awareness to see that experience for what it was and to really honor whatever emotional impact that might have, which might include, right, cycles of grief, of resentment, of anger, of rage, of sadness, whatever it is, right? There's multiple emotional processes that occur. But when I permission them, I am allowing for that experience to be processed. And when I do that, then I awaken this element of choice that I have as a human. Because instead of just going through this knee-jerk reaction, now I'm in a space where I actually can move from a place of reaction to a place of response because I can bring my conscious awareness into how I want to respond to the situation. So when we you know, are taking that moment of that pause, then we are really able to end this cycle where we're just creating reactions and then sabotaging our needs for connection and then creating disconnection and all sorts of things like that. I have this, this time to contemplate how I want to show up to this paradigm, this paradigm that we live in that is filled with human suffering, right? Like we all go through so many varying levels of suffering. So when I take that time to pause, I actually take the moment to have conscious intention of how I want to show up. And again, going back to the spiritual teachings, spirituality is quite clear about how we respond in these moments, right? So instead of going through this pattern of revenge, we actually root in love. And love, you know, sometimes it's like, especially in the new age spiritual community, we hear love and light and we're like, oh, like, what is that? You know, and, and I want to say that love is not, it's not something that we it's just so easy to feel, right? We're just like, oh, I'll wake up. And it's, it's kind of contradictory on the one hand, because on the one hand, love is the simplest truth of reality. Um, but on the other hand, right, it's a whole process to get to embody and feel that love, because there's a lot of challenges and a lot of things we need to process along the way. So it's not about this love and light situation because love is actually about being able to be present with whatever may arise, which includes the impact of whatever violence, whatever pain, whatever suffering has occurred to me or to others. Love is that bedrock that holds in, which is why, you know, sometimes what happens in our human experience, right? Is like we have that pain and then we have that part of us that's like trying to resist feeling that pain. And when someone comes and is, you know, trying to give this message of like love and light, what ends up happening is that the resistance is actually going to grow stronger because it's going to feel, hey, you're not acknowledging my pain. You're not acknowledging my suffering. You're not acknowledging my lived reality. So then the resistance is going to like resist stronger to that. Again, and sometimes I get into these really intense places where the resistance is actually like stronger than the pain itself because we've put so much attention into like resisting other people and coming in to meet our pain because for whatever reason, we don't feel like they're tending to it properly. So we want to be mindful 
of this resistance paradigm that can occur because ultimately, right, we don't want to get disconnected from our own pain because when we get disconnected from our own pain, that's kind of when we, that's when we know we are, um, we lost our way because as Jung says, pain is right? The road to God is the road to liberation. Because when I feel my pain, I actually also am allowing the process of transformation to occur, where I'm able to process that pain and return to this fundamental state of love. And love, you know, love is a direct channel to God, right? I like to think of it as God's presence in the world, right? It's through love. It's, it's the fundamental reality that is here. And, you know, if you think about it, right, like a baby, when a baby is born and they just look up and they look at their mom, like they're just filled with love. They don't know anything else. The, the fundamental reality of life is love, right? So, so they have this immediate experience of love. But usually what happens after is that then, right, the mom or the parent, maybe they're not tending to the baby properly. Maybe the baby's needs aren't being met as they would like. They start having these unmet needs. Then they start building resentment. They start building anger. All of a sudden there's disconnection from that, you know, fundamental reality of love. And then what ends up happening is that the baby, who's now maybe a child, you know, going through all these psychological processes of perhaps abandonment or um, what's it called, like over overgiving or whatever it may be, all the different childhood wounds, right? We, and we all have them because no parent is perfect. So on some level, we're each conditioned in a particular way. So, you know, the baby gets harmed, then that creates separation because the needs weren't met. There's this disconnection there. And then, you know, William Reich, this, uh, he talked about it in terms of like a character type. Then we each develop our own character types, which are self-perpetuating psychological states they're largely unconscious, right? We don't know that we're in it. But what ends up happening is that they convince us that we are seeing reality clearly when actually we are not. We're just seeing it based on our own wounding. We're seeing it based on our own conditioning that is stems from our childhood wounding. But we are so convinced that we are seeing reality clearly, right? Because we are so you know, we're not even looking at that pain that was felt. So so we're each operating on these self-perpetuating psychological processes that are filtering the way that we are seeing life, meaning we're not seeing reality clearly. Because if we were to see reality clearly, we would be able to connect to this fundamental reality of life, which is love. So, you know, going back to this situation we were talking about in the beginning, right, that if like someone hurts me, if someone comes and does something and, and, and causes pain to me, right? Like the, the knee-jerk revenge kind of reaction is to cause that back, is to push back, right? If someone pushes in, you push back. But when we get into that spiritual teaching of love, we want to end that cycle, right? So we want to understand what will help us end that cycle. This is why love is really connected with the teachings on forgiveness, Love and forgiveness are really bound up. And this is where we get a lot of the prophets, you know, who come and teach about the wisdom of forgiveness. Because I really believe that forgiveness is really at the heart of ending a lot of systemic oppression and ending a lot of um, systems of harm and cycles of oppression. 
Because what forgiveness does is that when I experience that hurt and that pain, you know, first I take my pause, I do my emotional processes, but then I have this space to have a conscious intention to choose to forgive. And, you know, forgiveness is a very high spiritual teaching. It's not something that, you know, is just because a lot of us sometimes get triggered by this word forgiveness because we're like, ah, how can I forgive someone who hurt me? Right. Forgiveness is not actually about forgiving this one particular person. It's actually more about me than it is about that other person. Right. Because if I don't forgive, what ends up happening is that then I commit to carrying this pain my entire life and that ends up hurting me more right? Because I now I'm just carrying this pain and, and this pain is just informing my lived reality. And then I am constantly disconnected from people because I'm carrying this, I'm so committed to this pain. But forgiveness teaches us that actually we don't have to hold on to that pain. We can forgive, we can let go. And, and it's a very high spiritual teaching because in that place, we are choosing to sacrifice our own personal egos for greater love. Meaning my desire to forgive is because I have a commitment to return to this fundamental reality of love rather than being stuck in this, well, I was right and they were wrong and we need to fight it out, right? Because that is that cycle is never going to end of these human games because we're all going to be pushing against each other's buttons. But when we, you know, allow ourselves to get into this place of forgiveness, and again, when I say forgiveness, I mean an embodied presence of forgiveness, meaning that, you know, it's not about spiritually bypassing anything. It's actually about having this deep awareness of beingness with love for whatever impact arose from those experiences of pain and suffering. This is, you know, the teachings of compassion. Compassion isn't about looking at someone, you know, who's far away and, and pitying them because their life's so hard. Compassion is actually, right, the, the translation of compassion is about suffering with. It's about being able to open our hearts and actually feel the, the experience of that. That is actually where the wells of love are awakened through that embodied experience, through that place where, you know, we, we give ourselves that sacred pause, we give ourselves that time to feel, and, and we allow ourselves to have that intention to connect back to love, which is our natural state. And, and the road to that is not easy at all, right? The path to liberation is, is very, very difficult and filled with many challenges, right? Because I, even if, you know, this all sounds really beautiful and really nice, right? But there's many things that appear on this path to love and the path to the heart, like grief, right? Grief or anger or, um, you know, someone here saying, right, self-loathing, self-hatred. That's such an intense way to work through all these things, right? But this is why spiritual traditions, right? Because we, we can't just like wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I'm just going to choose to love all myself and love all the world. I mean, we can, but but we need practices. We need practices of love. This is why the cultivation of the heart space is so, so, so important, whether that is through meditation or prayer or chanting or whatever it may be, you know, spiritual and religious traditions have been emphasizing this for thousands of years, is that we need to cultivate our hearts. So what happens when we cultivate our heart, 
we are strengthening the muscle of love. And then as experiences of pain come, which they will, because that is part of what it means to be human, we actually know how to process them. We actually know how to be with them. We know how to transform them. We know how to not be tricked into that psychological reality of just seeing the world through the lens of suffering. We actually know how to come back to that reality of freedom from the inside, which is the space of embodying love, right? Coming back into the truth of who we are as human beings. And, you know, one analogy I talked sometimes about the path of the heart, right? Because the path to the heart, you know, it's again, it's filled with all sorts of things. And, and let's say you are on the path, right? There's a road and you're like, I'm on the path to, to my heart. And then all of a sudden there's like a boulder that appears and you're like, what do I do now? It's taking up the whole path. Like now I'm stuck. So this is why we say that love and God, right? They are infinitely mysterious, meaning that we are always, you know, this is where the experiences of awe comes because God is always showing us new ways to find that connection and that, that route back to the heart. So there's a boulder there and I'm like, I didn't know this boulder was going to be here. I don't know what to do. But perhaps then I, you know, allow myself to look up and I see a bird that is able to like carry me over or all of a sudden I, you know, find a rope and I'm, so I find like a new creative way to move through that boulder. So instead of seeing that boulder and feeling, you know, suffocated by it, feeling powerless, feeling like there's no way through, instead what I do is I return to this core faith that I have around God's infinite mysterious nature of love and find creative solutions that will take me in a whole new journey. So this is part of the teaching that I wanted to share for Passover. Feel welcome. Thank you everyone for joining. If you have, I like reading what you're writing. So um, yeah, please continue writing. Um, <laughs> this feels like a process that I'm not ready for. I know this is why we have so much time because, you know, on this earth, that we our only work here is actually to return to our divine state of being right so you know we might think that we are supposed to work at this job this nine to five we need to work on our linkedin resume but actually we're gonna keep coming back to this human world of ours until we learn the skills of love the spiritual knowledge right this is actually what we are all doing here so it's okay that's going to take time because of course it will take time i mean this is a whole life process if not lifetime process but it's about returning to that intention and it's about returning to that commitment because what again what happens in this game that we as humans play right which is like you hurt me i'm gonna hurt back and again i want to emphasize that a lot of this is unconscious because because we have our ego states, our ego states convince us that we're on the right, right? They're always like, well, but that person was really, you know, they really hurt me and they deserve to be punished because I was in the right or whatever it may be. But that ego is just a structure that is actually keeping us from seeing the wider dynamics that are going on. When we are truly evolved, when we have truly cleansed our minds and purified our hearts, we see that it actually doesn't matter if it's my pain or their pain, because all pain is just pain. 
And all pain actually deserves to be tended to and deserves to be heard and deserves to be acknowledged. And there's actually space for that because God is infinitely loving and merciful and compassionate. That's where the teachings of forgiveness come from. We don't have to fight so much for the attention to our pain because there's a core belief and there's a core faith that it is all, you know, and we say that God is the ultimate seer. God sees everything. You don't have to convince God of what happened because God sees. So we can relax into that. We don't have to always be defending ourselves so hard. We can actually relax into that space of vulnerability and that space of permissioning and remembering that we actually have this core need for connection. You know, th th we just can't su suppress it. Suppress it? We can't suppress it. We can't, you know, bypass it. We're always going to be like, we're going to be interested in connecting with other human beings. And a, and a different spiritual teaching for another time is that actually we're going to be interested in connecting with human beings who might have views that really challenge our own because that is how the wisdom of love works, right? Wisdom of love is constantly organizing all of us to learn deeper understandings of love. So we might fall in love with someone who has a different religious faith than us and then it's going to bring up all sorts of things for us, right? Or we might fall in love with someone who... And, you know, when I say falling in love, I don't mean just romantically. It could also be friendship, community, whatever it is. Um, because there's a divine interest in breaking down the borders or the systems of segregation that we are so committed to holding on to as humans, right? Because we have been convinced that that is where our safety lies. We're like, oh, if I separate and I, if, I just, if I just surround myself with people who look like me, I will be safe, Right. But actually, that is creating more, you know, a lot of the times this is how the self-perpetuation of the psychological states happen is because I'm so convinced that what I'm doing is working for me, but actually a lot of the times I'm sabotaging, right? So this is where, you know, again, the spiritual teachings come to that space of surrender, of letting go, of taking that moment of pause, of allowing for transformation to happen, of instead of you know, working with this reactionary space is actually being like, you know what, I'm gonna choose for whatever cycle is happening in these human game world, I'm gonna choose that it ends with me. And I can do that because I'm not dependent on whatever's happening outside of me. I've been gifted by God's power, right? This way to end the cycle. And I, and I can do that as a human and we all can do that as human. That is actually where we find our freedom is when we remember that we have these keys to end these systems. And we don't need to wait for something outside of us to change, actually. Because through us changing internally, that changes reality itself. Because reality doesn't happen outside of us, it happens through us. So, um, yes, let me see what as people have so much to say. Spiritual aspects, psychological. Um, yeah. Okay. So who stops those who hurt others if they are always met with forgiveness? So, you know, this is kind of a misunderstanding about forgiveness. Often people think that forgiveness is letting people off the hook versus forgiveness is actually about creating a world, you could say even a world of abolition where we are ending the systems of oppression. Because if we are constantly looking through the lens of punishment, 
we are going to get a really strange world. I mean, we're, it's the world we're living in because our systems are constantly, you know, looking through that lens of punishment. And, and we're, we look around in the world and we're like, wow, we're always trying to punish people. And the truth is, is that, you know, we get so angry when someone hurts us. We're like, how could they hurt us? But then we look at what happened to the person who hurt us and we find out that they were hurt too. And then we look at the person who hurt them and we find out that they were also hurt. And then we look at what I'm doing and I'm like, well, this person hurt me and I'm hurting this person. So, so where is that cycle ending, right? Because you could actually point every person who's hurt has also been hurt because this is, this is a cycle that is happening. So I can say, you know, this person is hurt. They don't deserve forgiveness. But then, you know, what happens to me when I hurt unconsciously? Do I not deserve forgiveness? Do I not deserve to be hurt from my story of pain and suffering? That I was acting from a place of pain and that's why I was creating this harm, right? Because we all on this earth will experience pain and we will all cause pain. Again, on different levels, on different degrees, that is for sure. But fundamentally, we will be recipients of pain and will be perpetuators of pain. Because this is, this is just human. So this is where we want to understand what are our greater commitments to humanity, right? Do we want to just continuously work on, you know, these human games of saying who's right and who's wrong and who deserves to be punished and who's not? And, and what is the system of punishment really causing us? Or do we want to understand that human beings act a certain way because their conditions lead them to, right? And, and actually by shifting the conditions, they will shift their behaviors as well, right? It's not, it's not like pe people, I don't believe that people are born evil, right? I don't believe that people are born to hurt others. I think that they are conditioned into it. And because they are conditioned into it, they can be conditioned out of it. So this is what the teaching of forgiveness holds, is that we all actually are made in the image of God. And we all are going to eventually return to that godly divine space. So, you know, I, I can hold on to this ego notion of who hurt who and who's in the right and who's wrong. Or I can choose to be in that heart space which ultimately love, right? Love is the space of mystery. So, you know, some of it we understand and some of it we don't understand because sometimes it's like, it doesn't make sense. Again, like you said, like forgive someone who hurt me, like that doesn't make sense, I don't want to. But this is where we lean into the mystery of love because love teaches us that it has that potency to liberate us, right? And especially if we look at justice movement throughout history, it's like, they must be grounded in love because if they don't, if they're not, they actually don't have that power. They don't have that strength. Love actually provides people with the strength internally to fight against that system of oppression. Um, okay. Yes, let me see. I have some notes here. Let me see if I forgot to say anything else. There's so much good stuff content here to reflect on um yeah i guess i just want to come back just to that teaching again that i shared earlier it's just really heartbreaking because you know 
And in that way where I find that a lot of us are self-sabotaging our needs for connection because we are in pain, what we are all actually wanting, we're, we're all wanting our stories to be heard. We want our experiences of pain to be held. We want, we, we want these things, right? But a lot of us, we don't exactly know how to tell people that that's what we're wanting. Or we're subtly pushing them away, right? Because we're, we, whatever, we have our psychological states of wounding. So, so we're wanting this connection so badly, right? We're, we're wanting our stories to be heard so badly, but we're constantly sabotaging. And, you know, I think someone here brought up energy and I think energy is really valuable because once you see things through energy, you can actually see quite clearly. We're all walking around with so much pain, with baggage, with, you know, sacks of pain. And then we're trying to interact with each other and we're like, let's connect, let's connect. But we don't exactly know how to tell someone, you know, I need to be heard for my experience of pain and suffering in this human world, you know, like a lot, a lot of us haven't, we haven't been taught that discourse of how to actually ruin that deep connection, not just that superficial connection, because ultimately, right, the levels of pain that are inside of us individually, they need to be met in relationships to heal, right? So, so we need to start understanding how we as humans are wired to react in response to different things. And instead of playing these reactionary games, is to learn how to release and that release comes from that moment of pause, right? We pause and then we reroot in our spiritual intention of love and forgiveness and liberation. And, and we remember that we are here for connection with other human beings. And we remember that every person is walking with pain that wants to be tended to. They want their story to be acknowledged. So that is part of the gift of what we can do when we have given that space for our own personal impacts of whatever pain and suffering we're holding is that then we have actually the capacity and the presence to gift that to other people. And, you know, you can try this at home. Try and see what happens when you gift someone presence, when you're simply there hearing someone's story you will start to notice immediately they start to feel better. They start to heal. They start to feel seen, right? So, you know, I think that there's something quite profound there that we can gift one another in our capacity to be present. And ultimately, that is guiding us back to these teachings of love. Because, you know, this is why so many spiritual people are meditating. They're spending their days meditating um, because they know that there's so much that can transform just through pausing, just pausing this world and just being with, right? When I'm bringing my attention to whatever experience, I am fundamentally transforming it. And when I transform it, I return it back to the state of love. So I hope you enjoyed this spiritual teaching for the holiday of Passover, which is coming up. Um, it's a really special holiday, you know, and one of the teaching, which is actually quite relevant to this talk around how freedom is from the inside, right, is that when the Israelites, whether they were freed from being slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, actually, they had to wander in the desert for some time. The generation that was freed from Egypt they didn't get to enter the promised land because they were not ready. Their psychological states were actually still bound 
in the notions of slavery. This is why Moses was guiding them through the desert, right, for, for 40 years, because they needed to cleanse themselves in the desert. And we all know that the desert holds such magical powers of cleansing us, right? So that wandering in the desert time, that is a space of spiritual liberation. That is a place where, okay, our physical conditions have changed, and now we work on our spiritual conditions, right? Because that is ultimately where the true liberation lies. So I bless us for this Passover season. May we find these moments of pause where we shift our reactions into responses. And may we find our inner power that will guide us into our space of love and forgiveness that will guide us into greater liberation, both for ourselves and for the world at large. And that is all I have to share with you all today. I hope you enjoyed and Chag Sameach.